With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it Whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. Uh, Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. Uh, This guy used to be a uh, quarterback, Steve Sarkeesian, the uh, Texas head coach, the former offensive coordinator at Alabama. What kind of quarterback were you, Steve? Well, that's a good question. I was the guy that uh, never was never was good enough physically, so I tried to play with my brain and anticipate throws. So I think I, I think I, I maximized my potential, that's for sure. But I found a way to get completions. And you played in the CFL. Did you play in the NFL? No, I went straight to the CFL. Three years, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They still talk about you there, don't they? Uh, I'm sure they do. I'm do, sure they do. Do you still, uh, still have uh, – where's your Alabama gear? Uh, it's sporadic. My son took a lot of it home. I will say from the, uh, from the national championship game. I mean, he was, he was loaded up. So I've got a couple things with me and there's a couple things I definitely want to keep. I have a garage sale. Uh, probably doesn't go over well. You know, you know how they do the <laughs> issued gear. They get your name in the back, you know, oh, it's kind of like okay. Sark and your locker number. Probably wouldn't go over well, just selling, selling my gear. You've coached uh, some great quarterbacks, Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner, Jake Locker, Mark Sanchez, uh, Matt Ryan, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Mac Jones. What is the common thread or theme that, you have, that you're looking for in a quarterback? I think competitive is the first, has got to be the first uh, trait that a great quarterback has to have. And he has to have a, com- a competitive, innate spirit about him whether that's on the field, whether that's off the field in preparation, whether that's uh, motivating his teammates. Now, I think if you're not an extreme competitive human to play quarterback, I think it's going to be hard for you inevitably to persevere, to lead, to do the things necessary to win. What do you see in Mac Jones? You know, I love his perseverance. I, I love his competitive spirit. You, when you think about Mac, and you guys I'm sure have documented his story, but to come in as a three-star quarterback in the same recruiting class as Tua, knowing that Jalen Hurst was just SEC player of the year as a true freshman. And to, to not, in this day and age, so many guys come in year one, I'm not the starter, or I'm not the backup. 
they bolt, they leave, they transfer. Uh, he stuck it out, and he stuck it out through Jalen. He stuck it out through Tua. He stuck it out when Bryce Young came in as the hot shot, number one player in the country, and just continued to work, continued to get better. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that perseverance, that mental toughness he had um, not only helped him, but I think it kind of permeated to the rest of our offense that, you know, this is the style of team we're going to be on offense. and It doesn't matter what challenge is in front of us, you know, we're going to persevere. What's it like to design a play knowing that Devontae Smith is going to be on the receiving end of that? Well, it's like, is he one of the first two reads? Let's start there. If he's not one of the first two reads, it's probably not a very good play design, right? Uh, you know, so that, that was always one of, the, one of the key issues. But I will say, you know, early in the year, if you remember, when we had Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and John Mechie, things were getting spread out more. When we lost Waddle, uh, pretty much everything we designed, it was how did it either incorporate Devontae Smith or how did it get the defense's attention to Devontae Smith so that other guys could get open. And uh, I think he embraced that role. He embraced the, you know, he was he was the go-to guy, but he also embraced the, uh, you can call it a decoy if you want to get some other people open. I think he, you know, he, he really went for it. Help me understand that we saw the finished product with Devontae Smith, but at the beginning of the year, I think most people looked at Jalen Waddle as the number one wide receiver. Did 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 the coaching staff view it that way? No, I, I don't think so at all. I think they were really 1A, 1B. Um, you know, Devontae had a lot more just true experience at wide receiver force at Alabama. You know, we knew what we were getting with him. Um, Waddle was a little bit unique. You know, he was really the fourth wideout the year, the, the previous two years with Judy and Rugg still there. We all knew the great return, the great returner that he was. And we knew what he could do with the ball in his hands on offense. I think what people didn't know was how good of a route runner he was, the versatility to play in the slot and or outside. So we really went at it with both guys um, being the featured receivers. Um, I think he, Waddle maybe caught defenses a little by surprise with his versatility. But at the end of the day, there was we knew what Devontae Smith was, and he was a great player. Steve Sarkeesian, the former offensive coordinator for Alabama, uh, former offensive coordinator at USC, head coach at uh, UW, and now a Texas head football coach. Tougher to recruit in-state or out-of-state at Texas? Probably in-state right now. Um, you know, you'd think we're the University of Texas and everybody just wants to flock and come to the University of Texas. You know, right now, some of the top talent has left have left the state the last couple of years. So I think the first order of business for us recruiting-wise, we have to keep the best players in the state of Texas home. And, um, you know, th this is their university. This is the great state of Texas's university. And we got to make sure these these players stay home. You know, once we can solidify that, then maybe you can you can look around outside. But we've got so many so much great in-state talent. Uh, our focus is going to be there, and we'll remain there. Uh, and if we do some things out of state, it's really regional or maybe a connection to a coach or a certain player on the roster. How would you out recruit Nick Saban? I don't, I don't know if you necessarily just out recruit him. I, I think we've got a great brand at the University of Texas. It's an I iconic brand. Um, it's one with rich history and tradition. We've got tremendous resources, unbelievable support. Um, and the reality of it is we're going to build something. We're going to build something special here. I think regionally the kids we can recruit are a lot closer to us, right, in state. 
Um, where at Alabama, I think they have to reach a little further. There's not as much going on in state for them. Clearly, the track record that Coach Saban has put together is is second to none. Um, but I think we're going to build something special here, and the and the plan is for me to be here for the next 15, 20 years. So, hopefully, you're hopefully you're inter- interviewing somebody here 15 years from now and asking them the same question: How are you going to out recruit Sark at Texas? You guys going to schedule Alabama? Uh, we are scheduled to play them in 2022. Nice. I like that. How about A and M? I'm hopeful. I'd love to play that game. We'll see what happens. If I would have told you five years ago you'd be the head coach at Texas, what would you have said? Probably wow. Uh, you know, I I didn't know I didn't know where my career was necessarily going five years ago. Right, I just got let go from USC. Um, there were some dark days, you know, you get, everybody says you get let go and you get that, you get the paycheck and everything's great as a coach, you know, it it still stings, right? It's still, it's still a a big old piece of humble pie. And I just had to start to recreate myself as a coach, as a person. Um, and I didn't know if I'd be a head coach again, five years ago. Um, but as the years went on, as I started to work in Atlanta, as I got to Alabama, some more opportunities came that I, that I said no to. Um, I, I had a feeling I'd be a head coach again. Um, I just wanted to be the right one. I didn't know what the right one would be. Uh, clearly when Texas called and you looked at the roster and the resources and, and the athletic director, Chris Del Connie and everybody involved, this was the right one. And I jumped at it. But also you have to look at yourself and, and, you know, you want to continue your professional career. And I had a moment where I went through this, you know, uh, almost two years ago where you start to go, I got to get better. I got to get healthier. And then people say, we well, can't leave your job. Or so I don't know if you went through that where you're going, I got to kind of figure out who the hell I am after USC, but I still want to be in the game. So how do you uh, balance that? Uh, I just, you know, what I went to Dan was how do I just be the best version of Steve Sarkeesian today in, in whatever I was in, whatever I was doing, I tried to surround myself with, with great people, really supportive people, um, and if it was about being a, a dad, a husband, a coach, a friend, um, whatever that was, what, what, what did the best Steve Sarkeesian look like every day? And I wasn't worried about what was going to happen down the road or where it would lead me. It was just focusing on today. And it was really helpful for me. And I, and I think what came out of it was I became a lot more thoughtful person. I became a lot more compassionate. I became a lot more aware of the other people around me and what was going on in their lives. And um, where before, man, I had blinders on, right? I mean, I was like just plowing through whatever was in front of me because I wanted to be the, the best coach I could be. Um, I'm a lot more balanced, I think, in my, in my approach to life. And the end is I've ended up becoming a better football coach. I'm a lot more aware of our players. Um, so at the end of it all is whatever happened in my past there five, six years ago happened for a reason. But I truly believe I'm glad that that happened because I wouldn't be here today if those things didn't happen. Yeah, and a lot of people will hold a grudge or they're still angry about something that happened. And then they'll blame others instead of taking inventory with themselves. So I, I, I applaud you for doing that, of just working on being a better person you obviously know football and and to get that opportunity there, um, you know, it says a lot because you were willing to go in and say, you know, what do I need to do? And you got this head coaching job at Texas. So uh, congrats on that. If I said you could give urban Meyer some advice on the NFL, what would you say? 
I don't, I don't know if, if I'm, if I'm qualified to give Urban Meyer advice. For the <laughs> if, NFL. If, if he just asked, <laughs> if he just said, you know, wait, what was, what was the biggest difference between college and pro when you were with the Falcons? What did you notice here? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, there is no, every, every, every Sunday you show up in the NFL, there is a lot of parody. I mean, you're not showing up and, and hey, you're a 28 point favorite this week, you know, every week, <laughs> Every week, that's a that's a touchdown or less game. Every week, it comes down to the final two possessions. Um, those special situations in that league, the two-minute drill, the four-minute, those critical third downs late in the game. We've all watched NFL football. It seems like they always come down to that last drive or the last couple drives, and there's no gimmies. And and you you know we got to have our guys ready to play week in and week out. I mean that that without a doubt is probably the biggest difference. You don't have any uh, Texas orange on. What's what's going on here? You got blue. There's a little bit of orange in my button. Mm, I know you can't see it, mm, but man, you got to up the uh, got up the wardrobe here. <laughs> Head to toe. I mean, come on. What are, what are you doing here? Sweatsuit, tracksuit, something, coach. Well, you know, I just spent two years in Alabama where it was a sport coat and it wasn't a sweatsuit from the from the from the guy that I worked for. Oh. So I, you, know, you kind of I guess you get trained. Hey, well, good luck with this, Sark. Hopefully, we'll stay in touch there. And uh, you know what? you got a lot of resources there, and uh, they've certainly waited a long time for Texas to come back to the prominence that, you know, we sort of grew up with. So um, good luck with that. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it, buddy. That's uh, Steve Sarkeesian. We bring in Michelle Tafoya. Give me a weather update, weather forecast here, Michelle. It is definitely uh, soup weather, so minestrone or minestrone. <laughs> how, how do you decide if you're going to go minestrone or minestrone? I, I thought it was minestrone. Am I just stupid? Don't answer, you know, like, obviously. Well, no, you went to Berkeley, didn't you? You went to Cal. So I, <laughs> yes, went, I, went, I went to Dayton. So I, I go minestrone. <laughs> but I don't know. Minestrone sounds like what I would say growing up in the Midwest, where minestrone sounds like maybe somebody who is a little bit more educated palate. Well, you know what? Uh, let's let's find out. Let's let somebody Ooh. be an expert on this and tell us, because I've always heard minestrone. But, I, you know, what, what do I know? I know that whatever, the sky right now in Buffalo outside my hotel room looks a little soupy. It's going to be cold, and it's going to be windy. The, um, the snow might not start until the second half. That's what it's showing right now. But either way, uh, that could make this really interesting. What's it like, though, when it does snow? You're covering the game, and normally you'd be on the sidelines. But what is that like when those conditions uh, present themselves? It's just cold and stupid, and, and you're just going, <laughs> what, you know, it's, it's worse. Rain is worse because you have to juggle an umbrella in your hand, your notepad, your microphone. You feel like you can't hold on to anything tightly, and you're just fumbling those items the whole entire game. So snow is a little easier. The wind is not fun. But, yeah, we're in that moat, they call it, that first row of the stands, and uh, you just, I don't know, you just deal with it. Worse. Lots of Lots of warmers. Uh, worst weather you ever uh, were reporting in? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I would say no matter what, it was rain. I did a game at, I want to say it was Mississippi State or Ole Miss, and I'm sorry that I'm confusing the two. This was so long ago. I know I was in Mississippi, and we had like seven overtime or something because of the rain. So, uh, you know, it just, it just no one could win the game. That was a bad one. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Do you have a signature play that you remember that you covered a game and you were 
that you'll be able to tell your kids' kids that you were there seeing that firsthand? You know, there are quite a few, but the one that jumps to mind is the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl against Seattle. And I happened to be standing behind Bill Belichick when it happened. And I'll just never forget the shock of it, the shock that they threw the ball, the shock that he picked it. At the time, no one knew who Malcolm Butler was. And then seeing, because I was, you know, my my vision included Belichick and his arms go way up in the air in this, like, victory sign. It was, I mean, that visual for me is uh, will never leave me. I was right by the goalpost. and, and so you? Yeah, because I was presenting the trophy, and I'm thinking Seattle's going to win the Super Bowl. Marshawn Lynch is going to run right, right in front of me. And... As Russ went back to pass, I went, oh, no. And I'm standing <laughs> next to Ron Vaccaro, who is you know great producer on Football Night in America. I go, oh, no. And then he threw the ball, and I go, oh, my God. Okay, at least they knocked it down. And then Malcolm Butler pops up, and I yeah. go, so I have to start taking inventory of who I'm going to interview on the podium. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. is Paul Allen going to be down here? I got Pete Carroll. Who's the MVP? Yeah. Next thing yeah. I know is... Malcolm Butler just made the greatest play in Super Bowl history. Yeah. Is he going to be yeah. the MVP? And then, like, it was just, it was one of those weird moments there. And then the other one was Roethlisberger when he threw the touchdown pass to win the Super Bowl to beat Arizona. I'm right there in the corner because I have to go out on the podium again. I think right. Arizona is going to win it. Like, you know, is Mr. Bidwell going to be on the podium? Uh, yeah. Like, you, who's the MVP? Like, it's just, it's kind of crazy. In those moments, then you have to still do your job. Yeah, well, that's the funny part is, yeah, you're prepping for a post-game interview, or in your case, the, the trophy presentation, and suddenly your whole mind has to shift. And I, I went through the same thing. My job after Malcolm Butler made that interception was to not lose sight of the kid. So I'm, like, literally stalking <laughs> the sideline. Every move he made, I made, you know, behind the bench. And then, of course, when I, I finally grab him right after the game, and they're taking their time getting it down to me, and finally when Al throws to me, you know, he's, now let's go to Michelle. In that instant, Malcolm Butler decides, I've waited long enough, I'm taking <laughs> off. He takes off. I have to chase him down, and it's, I've never looked back at it. I'm told it's kind of humorous, but we did. I chased him down. I got him on camera. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, that, that was kind of remarkable. But you've chased people down. You don't know yeah. you're on camera. Like, we can sometimes see the wide shot of the field when the game is over. And yeah. then all of a sudden, we, we can see you. Like, it probably gets physical where you got to box out people, don't you? Oh, there's no question. This job is way more physical. Not so much this year because we don't have that space to cover. But it, oh, it's way more physical than people realize. The running around that you do, halftime chasing coaches, the whole bit. I also marvel, though, when you have to talk to a coach who's lost and it's a big game and, yeah. and, and trying to find just the sensitivity level. You know, it, it's a completely different tone. Totally. Like, how do you, you know, you, you, got, you almost have to gear up for it because you almost have to feel their pain. Put yourself in there. And I, I don't know. What is your process? You're there? spot on. You're spot on with that. Good for you, Dan. You want to come up to Buffalo and work this game because you've got it all figured out. No, no, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to watch. I'm going to. I, you know, if the game was in Tampa, then I might go. But no, not. Oh yeah, yeah. Not in Buffalo. Well, you know, you do. You gear up because it is a painful moment. You don't 
you don't really know how the coach is going to respond in that moment, and different coaches are different, right? So you, you, you kind of go through your mind about what do I know about this coach? What do I expect the, the reaction to be to my questions? How and it's, it's body language, it's tone of voice, it's the words you choose. There's a lot that goes into it, but you're right. It is a completely different interview and far less fun. What is uh, the difference, or do you notice a difference in Lamar Jackson and or Josh Allen at this point this year as opposed to last year? Well, I think I think just on the football field, Lamar is just just a better passer than he has been, and also he's he's a better decision maker than he has been. And I would say some of the same things for for Josh that you know the, the accuracy was the question. He seems to have gotten that uh, on track, and and just his ability to make the right decisions. But he's he's got another piece to the puzzle, which is Stefan Diggs that makes decision-making a whole lot easier for him. So, you know, it's been interesting, this draft class of these guys and in their third seasons, a lot of these guys seem to be turning the corner and we're looking at, uh, you know, the, the next generation of these quarterbacks are going to be going up against each other in playoff games and Super Bowls and regular season rivalries. And it's, it's really been kind of fun. Is it important or how important is it for you to be involved in the game plan for both of these? Like when Al and Chris are there with coaches and is it important for you to be listening to what these teams are trying to do, hoping to do, expected to do? No question. Because when you go to halftime and you want to talk to these coaches, you need to know what they were trying to achieve uh, in that first half, you know, at any point in the game, what their mindset was, what they were trying to do, who they were trying to get involved, who they were trying to stop, you know, what they were trying to do. So, Because you want those questions at halftime to give you something. Now, it's hard to get something, you know, really meaty because these coaches at halftime, they're like, just ask me the question and let me go. You know, and I get it. It's not the place they want to be. But if you, I find that if you ask more detailed questions, you're going to get a better answer. And so, um, yeah, that's absolutely important. I, I watch Chris's tapes. He prepares tapes on every, uh, you know, every offense and every defense each week, both offenses, both defenses. And, and I watch those because they give you a great sort of education as to uh, what these teams are good at, what they're not as good at, and what you should be looking for. And contractually, do the coaches have to stop for two questions? You know, I, I'm i going to be honest with you. I don't know what the contractual thing is. And he, with Andy Reid, we have a different arrangement. He, he only likes to do those interviews walking off the field at halftime if he's ahead or tied. And, and we accept that. <laughs> well, they, they all would like that, Michelle. <laughs> but he's the one that's made that clear, and we've always honored it. And, uh, you know, so – and maybe I shouldn't have said it because now this is going to get like distributed to all the coaches in the NFL, and they're going to say, "Yeah, only if I'm leading the side." Um, you know. How about <laughs> this, I, Michelle? I, you have to have a Super Bowl win to be able to ask for this. How's that? <laughs> oh yeah, let's push up in all kinds of restrictions on this thing. That's great. No, I think there probably is something contractual because they do it for every network. They, you know, they and they do it for their. Usually, they do it for their home radio people too. So. Um, it, it's, there are moments you're not going to get hit a home run every, every halftime, but there are moments when you get one and, uh, you go, Oh gosh, this is great. Uh, you know, I always refer back to, to Bill Parcells telling me he was going to start Tony Romo in the second half. And, and that was a big, big news story. So, 
Uh, I was grateful for that one. Have fun, and, uh, you know, I, I'm rooting for snow. I don't know if you are, but <laughs> I... <laughs> you know Fred Goodelli is. Oh, you know? yes. You know he is, because there's this sense that if people see snow, they will stop with their put their remote down and watch. So Yeah, but Michelle, watch Fred, anyway. Fred Goodelli, uh, you know, is one of the great producers uh, in, 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 in this business. He's in a truck. Yes, I so, know that. So he's not... You know, I mean, he's rooting for snow, but he he's he doesn't care about those in the elements. He just wants it, it. These are pretty pictures. You know what I hear in my ear every time? It's always seventy and perfect inside the truck. And I, you know how <laughs> the things I want to say. <laughs> yeah, it's not pretty. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Have fun. We'll you be watching. It. We appreciate it as always. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you later. That's Michelle Tafoya. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments, where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You could trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces, like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini-games, like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win, or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports, like... A lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and Holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, 
Taste like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Tony Baselli, former Jacksonville Jaguar, and maybe will live to see the day when he gets into the Hall of Fame. Five Pro Bowls. He's the lead analyst for Thursday Night Football in Westwood One, and he does the Jags radio color uh, analyst. And uh, part of Westwood One's the NFL playoff coverage. He's going to be there for the Buccaneers and the Saints. That'll be Sunday night. Tony joins us on the program. How does this go right for Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, Tony? Well, that's easy, Dan. You know that win games. Winning solves everything. I mean, it literally cures every ale of a professional sports team and and an athlete. And I think the point is 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 your in your comments earlier were dead on. The transition is littered from college to the NFL with dead bodies of guys who could not do it. Um, now, I think what Shad Khan decided was we need to do something different. This has been a franchise over the last 10 years that has not been relevant outside of 2017 where they made an AFC uh, championship run. And so I think he wanted somebody who was a proven winner, um, who was a proven leader, and gave them a chance to kind of make a splash day one, but also had instant credibility when he walked in the room. And so, um, listen, he's a leader. He's won everywhere he's ever been. And the one thing I do like about his kind of philosophy and and because I'm a believer of it, it's not about what scheme you run. It's not about hey, I run the gap or I run the zone or I blitz. I did this. I mean, everyone's doing the same thing, you know, with a different variation. It's about getting the right people in the building. And so the question I have is: is can he build the right staff? Can he get the right OC, the right DC, the right assistants? And then and then what is your player procurement strategy? Because getting guys who fit what you want to do. And I think that's where teams fail. And that's where organization in the NFL really struggle is you don't have the pieces that fit what you're trying to do. And uh, that'll be interesting to see the, uh, who he surrounds himself with. But as a leader, Dan, uh, it's unquestionable. He's got it done. But also relating to these players, we, we find that, that there is a gap. In college, you listen to me. In the NFL, it feels like you listen to your players. And, and maybe I'm overstating it here. But, you know, what, what is going to be the biggest difference in the transition of coaching college players to coaching NFL players? Well, the good thing, if you're coaching the Jags, it's not much different than college right now because <laughs> they're so dang young. So <laughs> it will probably work. Um, I mean, listen, the big difference is you have guys who are in their 30s, have kids, families, been married for a while and everything else. But I think the one thing is even in college today, Dan, these are millennials. And so the millennials don't want to, you to tell them what to do. Um, and they don't buy into that. Um, you have to be able to build relationships with players, it's, it, whether it's college or pro. I'm a big believer in that. And guys want to know why are you asking them to do something. And I think Urban's smart enough. I mean, he's been around college. He understands that. He understood recruiting. And I think it's similar um, to the, in today's player. They want a relationship. They want to know you care about them. And they want to know why you're asking them to do something. So 
Um, whether you're hard or you're not player coach, not a player's coach, both can work. Um, and so, but really where you get the buy-in is one, you have credibility day one, but then what you institute leads to success. So ultimately he's going to have to win football games to get the credibility he wants long-term. There was an article in the Orlando Sentinel in early December calling for the Jags to hire you as the general manager. Have you been approached to be the general manager? Dan, my phone never rang once, so that, if that gives you any insight on <laughs> whether I've been asked or not. Not even think, once? No, not even a, like an off. accidental, like the wrong call? <laughs> wrong number? Maybe the wrong number. Yeah, wrong number. Hey, we're trying to get so – no. Uh, listen, my role, uh, my role is the, uh, I do the team – I do the uh, – obviously the radio, you talked about it. I've been there since day one, love the organization, want nothing but the success – um, happy to give input where I'm asked, but my job isn't to give input. How about you know, offensive of, line coach? Um, again, if uh, Urban would love to, I, I will talk to anyone about any opportunity, but right now there's no plans and my phone's not ringing and I'm uh, very satisfied and happy with what I do on a daily basis. If Urban did not have the number one pick, would he be taking this Jacksonville job? It's a great question. Um, I don't know, because if you look at it, yes, they have the number one pick. Let's say they would have the number two pick. You're still going to get a really good player. There's, You know, you have Justin Fields, who's a good player. I think that Zach Wilson is intriguing at a BYU, so you can still get your quarterback. What doesn't change, regardless of the draft pick, is this team is going to have over $100 million of cap space in a year where a lot of teams are going to be struggling. I think there's a lot of good players out there to go get. Uh, and so I don't think any nothing changes – in that world. And also the other thing, I think one of the reasons urban came here, Dan, is he can do something no one's ever done in Jacksonville before. And he can make it relevant. He can, you know, win a Super Bowl. He can be the guy who does it. And urban's a competitive individual. Um, he's a guy who wants to, you know, make a name or be out there and do something no one else can do. And he has a chance to do that. And, uh, with the Jaguars. So I think he probably would have still just because there's so many other positives around it. But I think that probably, maybe that was the tipping point. Yeah, I just wonder long term. You know, that that would Fair be question. That's that's my question with Urban. I don't think anybody is going to uh critique his credentials, but just his mental and physical health and being able to do this. This is a grind, man. This is a yeah, college is one thing. Pros this is day and night grind. And I don't well, know. I, yeah. I'll um, say this then. So college it's, you know, the first two places at Bowling Green and Utah, he had to build that he's competing. He didn't have the best players. I mean, he, he proved that he could do it. Florida State and Ohio, I mean, excuse me, Florida and Ohio State, he woke up day one with a team that was better than nine, eight to ten teams that were on a schedule. I mean, he was just better. They, drive, they recruited better and everything else. That's not the case in the NFL. And so it is that grind. And so people ask me what I think about it. I said – all the things I said positive a second ago, here's my question, and I'll maybe articulate it similar to what you said, maybe a little different, is um, he's never done it in the NFL, so we know about that. There's history. We can look at and kind of make our judgment. The health is real. Um, this is an individual at two different spots because of the grind and what went on at Florida and Ohio State that had to step away for health reasons. And I hate it for him because no one wants to have those things. And so you worry. And I think as an owner, you look back and I think when you make that decision, you have to do your homework and say, okay, how are you physically? What does it look like? How do you manage that? Um, because you, you're making the hire for the long term and you want him to build something um, that is sustainable. So um, that's something to watch. I know every Jag fan will probably have 
be praying for them and making sure that health doesn't become an issue. Um, but you, it, it's hard to avoid because the mental grind and fatigue, um, and especially when you're wired like Urban Meyer, from what I've been told, I've never met him, but I've been told he's a competitive dude and winning is the only option. And in the NFL, you're going to lose some games. So that'll be something to watch. But hopefully, if you're a Jags fan, hopefully you don't have to deal with it very much. So that means you're winning a lot of football games. Tony Baselli joining us. He's the color analyst for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also works for Westwood One and, of course, uh, former Jags offensive lineman. Speaking of which, the first thing I would do is not repeat the mistake that the Colts did with Andrew Luck. I would make sure I had a really good offensive line because – the Colts did it in the reverse order, and then all of a sudden they wake up one day and they go, wait, Andrew Luck doesn't want to play anymore? No, he got so banged up through those first couple of years. Now they have a great offensive line. That's what I hope that uh, the Jags invest in. If you got Trevor Lawrence, I can't have a $100 million quarterback, and I've got you know pennies on the dollar at the offensive line positions here, Tone. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, listen, my formula to build a football team is not that complicated. you got to have a quarterback. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And you're hoping Trevor Lawrence is that guy. After that, Dan, you better protect the quarterback. If you can't control the line of scrimmage by running it when you have to and protecting the quarterback, I don't think you can be effective long-term. I think you're going to struggle. So you have to invest there. Uh, for the Jaguars, good news is they got three guys in the interior pretty good. Uh, Norwell is a good player. Uh, missed a couple games because of injuries. But the last three years, he's played good football. A.J. Can, the right guard, had re-signed last year. His best year of football was really good. Brandon Linder's upper echelon center. Uh, where they need to improve and they need to do a little bit work at the tackle positions. Jawan Taylor is a second-year player out of Florida, uh, has high potential. He's going to be your right tackle next year. The question is at left tackle. Cam Robinson out of Alabama, four-year guy. He's a free agent. Do you, do you sign him? He was better this year, uh, needs to improve. Do you sign him and make him your left tackle? Or do you go draft or go – in free agency and say, hey, let's go get a rental out of Trent Williams, who's a free agent out of San Francisco, and maybe ask pay him more money than anyone else to get him come in. So you are dead on, though. Um, the number one job of the GM and Urban Meyer, I think, especially early, is if you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, surround him with people, starting with the offensive line, where he can have success. You were there when the, the Browns beat the Steelers. And a lot of times you can tell before a game when teams walk on the field, like there's confidence there. Uh, the first time I ever saw it was when the Raiders beat the Redskins in the Super Bowl when Marcus Allen had that unbelievable run. Like the Raiders came on the field, and if I could have put my house up, if I had a house, I would have bet the Raiders <laughs> that night. I don't know if you noticed anything different with – it felt like – and I've said this before, and my audience is tired of hearing about it – Cleveland knew their identity going into that game, and the Steelers did not. I don't know if you sensed that at all, but the Browns looked like a different team than earlier in the year against Pittsburgh. Why? Yeah, it's so hard, Dan, in this COVID is to get a real sense. Number one, you can't go down on the field and spend time with the teams and get a feel and get the emotion and kind of have conversations. Two, there's no fans, and so it's almost it's a very sterile environment. I mean, think of how different that game would have been if you had a packed house mm -hmm. um, at Heinz Field where the place is going crazy. Um, but And I think also you probably got that feeling because right when it started, boy, the snap over the head, and next thing you know, this thing's out of control. So, um, And there was a desperation on, on the Cleveland sideline, like, hey, chip on the shoulder, we have something to prove. And it almost got the feeling like Pittsburgh's like, we always beat the Browns. You know, it's in Pittsburgh. We never lose to them. So what's going to change this year? What do you got going on there? 
My computer's going crazy. I'm trying to turn it off. Hey, you know what? It could be Urban Meyer asking you to be <laughs> offensive blank. So. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, All right. Okay. I'll, I, Dan, I'll text you. If, if I hear okay. anything, I'll let you know. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, would you rather pass block for Brady or Breeze? Uh, Tom Brady. Because? I think Tom Brady is one of the best um, pocket quarterbacks I've ever seen. His movement in the pocket, buying time, and he's a tackle's best friend because he always steps up. He's always working up in the pocket, meaning it helps you with your angles and, and, and your ability to protect him. Breeze is good, too. I mean, they're both fabulous in the pocket. You don't play this long if you can't operate from the pocket. Um, but if you if I have to choose one, uh, it's Tom Brady. Plus, as I'm 6'7", he's 6'4", probably easier for him to see over the top of me. This game will come down to what? Um, can the can the uh, can the Buccaneers run the ball? Yeah. Um, you look at the thirty-eight-three game. They went. They were pass happy. Byron left, which I don't think he was his best game. He called. They got away from it. And over thirty-five percent of the time, the Saints were pressuring Tom Brady, or they're hitting them, and they had no rhythm. You got to get Leonard Fournette. You got to get Ronald Jones. They don't have to be. You know, they don't have to be the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry or the Baltimore Baltimore Ravens running the ball. But they got to. You know, they at least have to threaten the Saints defense to give Brady time to operate uh, and to throw the ball around. Good to talk to you as always, Tony. Thanks for joining us. Have fun on uh, Sunday night. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you soon. That's uh, Tony Baselli. Does the uh, color for uh, radio on Jags Radio Network. Now be on Westwood One, their NFL playoff coverage. He's got Buccaneers Saints on Sunday night. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports, like a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app, like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on, or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place.
Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? Or I don't know. Take over a minute to down a two-liter? Well, if you have, then you're going to love Pick 6. It's the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how you play it during the playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they will have more or less of a stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Also, you track your picks, play against others for a shot to win at some big cash prizes. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now. Use the promo code DPSHOW for a chance to win huge cash prizes. That's code DPSHOW. Only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Let's bring in Michael Wilbon. Pardon the interruption. And, uh, of course... We're trying to figure this out, Mike. And I thought, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I thought this was COVID-related. But I don't know if that's the sole reason why Kyrie Irving checked out from the Nets. Like, it, he checked out and then was involved in COVID. I don't know why he checked out to begin with. So what do you think we're looking at here with Kyrie uh, and coming back? A big, fat mess. That's what we're looking at. Um, and it is more than COVID related. I mean, you, you hear all kinds of stuff, Dan. I, I know you have quite the grapevine, as do I. We hear all kinds of stuff as to why Kyrie's gone and where his head was and he didn't feel like playing, blah, 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 blah. And the bottom line is you're talking about now one of the least dependable players in the league. Certainly, certainly one of the least dependable great talents in the league. And Harden now appears on that list as well which is an interesting thing for Brooklyn Nets. And the reason that, the, that most people can't wait to see them is not just because they've got this apparent super team, but they got a super mess on their hands with a first coach, future Hall of Famer. You know, I, I love Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni. Who knows, who knows where they can get their arms around this? And most importantly, Kevin Durant. Because this all falls on Kevin Durant now as well, a guy who – Kevin Durant has proven he'll play if there's a threat that he winds up leaving the court with one leg. Kevin Durant plays on blacktop in the summer. He plays on hardwood all winter. He just he plays. And he's now got two dudes running with him who aren't committed to playing. Not like he is. There was conversation yesterday. Uh, we had it here when we got through with the show. The best threesome that we've ever seen on the basketball court. And and I know it's we we're – We've got the end result to back up when we say, hey, Rodman and Pippen and Jordan or whoever it might be with your big Ray Allen, uh, Pierce and uh, and, and KG or Bosch and LeBron and, and Wade. 
do you have a best big three of all time? Maybe what was called the original, it wasn't the original. Uh, but, you know, Bird Parish McHale is still pretty damn good. Yeah. Right? And, and, and the thing is, that was talking about just the front line. As you know, Dan, it didn't even include, you know, Dennis Johnson, for crying out loud, or, or Danny Ainge, two great players as well. Um, I, I, I still look at those. And, I, you know, I'm not – well, I am old enough as a, as a young kid to have seen – West and Baylor. Now they didn't win when Baylor was there because when they won, Baylor had the knee injury. And but Wilt West and Baylor, my God. Um, so I'm going back. Yeah, I'm going back. Um, certainly, certainly LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh won two, but that's not quite as many as you mentioned Jordan Pippen and and Rodman or Jordan Pippen and Grant, or which Coop, I actually coach. I get chided by. But yeah, yeah, and Ku Coach is a fourth in there. I mean, so yeah, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be as contemporary as the kiddies want. You know, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be what they would come up with. It's gonna be something that's forty years old. But I would come up with Steph Curry with KD and Clay. Uh, okay, like they, and then I throw in Draymond. So if I I say you can throw in your fourth, and and you want to put in Ku Coach with Rodman, Pippen, and Jordan. You know, then that's kind of fun. I don't know what's going to happen in Brooklyn. I know that we look at the individual talents, but this isn't about individual talents. It's the individual talents meshing together to make it a team talent. And that's where I have a big question mark here. Are there more concerns on the court or off the court, in your opinion, with the Nets? Well, you know, I wouldn't have said off the court until this week. And, you know, when you listen to – I listened to, to Boogie Cousins the other night and listened to John Walt. I mean, they're just throwing – they're like, what, what are we talking about? We, 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 had, we had a team here that had a big anything, but they could have been a contender if, if James Harden was interested and he wasn't. So now you got off the court because there's – although if everybody's where he wants to be, but then if everybody's where he wants to be, what the hell is going on with Kyrie Irving? Um, I, I still think on the court – you know, I, I had before the season, I, I was watching the preseason games and the first couple of regular season games, Dan. And Kyrie Irving, you reminded when he's out there and engaged, there's just no better ball handler. I mean, it, there's no better ball handler necessarily. I'll still take Isaiah Thomas, but I mean, it, 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 we're talking, you know, we're splitting <laughs> the finest hairs now, right? Yeah. But the, he averages his, his career. I got my son is a Kyrie Irving devotee. This winds up leading to screaming matches every night <laughs> in our house. And I'm, can he average more than five assists a game? How can you be a wizard with the ball and only average five assists a game? One night I made him take out, uh, go to basketballreference.com. I almost said take out the basketball encyclopedia, dating me further. But I made him go to the site and read aloud John Stockton's assist totals every year. And some years, as you know, they were like 12 and 13, and Kyrie can't get six. And so my, my challenge was, if Kyrie Irving, and this was my under, if he's engaged enough to sort of average 6.2 assists a game, which is half of Magic and Stockton in a great year, if he's half that interested in finding his teammates, yeah, Brooklyn, they're loaded. They can, they can do this. But now, man, I, I, I mean, so what's his level of engagement versus selfishness? And, and usually that doesn't work out well, that ratio. 
um, I think they can probably become interested enough to play with each other because this is what they wanted. But now, and they're going to have everybody gunning for them. Do they have that constitution? Kevin Durant does. Kevin Durant has that. Do the other two have it? And I, I'm, I'm thinking, no, they don't. Is Michael Wilbon, pardon the interruption, co-host the person, player, who has the most pressure on them this football weekend is who? Ooh. Football weekend. Man, I got to shift gears and go back to that. Um, I, well, I don't, unlike a lot of people in this industry who talk about this stuff, I don't think the GOAT has any pressure. I mean, if he loses, so what? Does he, like, give back the trophy, the GOAT, to somebody else? No. So Brady has, I mean, when, you know, it's relative to the others. Brady has none. Breeze has none. I mean, Rodgers a little bit because people think that Green Bay should have won more than one, right? And so I, I, I don't know that there's anybody, you know, maybe, well, Jackson. I mean, I know he's won, he's won a playoff game now, but I think he's ahead of Josh Allen and Buffalo in terms of what people are expecting. And I'm, I guess I'm defining it, therefore, Dan, on what people are expecting out of these playoff teams and the biggest players on the teams. Were we being fair, though, to the Lamar Jackson situation where he bowed out early in the playoffs two previous years, but he just turned 24? Like, he finally won a playoff game, and then people are like, he finally won a playoff game. Like, he's 24. Two years, yeah. Yeah, I'm with, yeah I don't think it was – you know, we rushed to crazy rushes to judgment now. You know, he, he, he's over his career. We, okay, he's over two. I mean, you know, I, I, I know last year the, the losses were surprising. Um, but I, 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 now I'm saying pressure for a different reason. He, because this conversation has taken place and we have unfairly rushed, now he's there. You know, he's sitting there now and you're like, okay, who – who do you favor to win this game? And if, if you're playing favorites, I know Buffalo's got to be, I don't look at it, but Buffalo's got to be what, a, a three to four, two to three point favorite at home? Yeah. Is that what it is, Dan? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, does Josh Allen have pressure yet? No, but he will if he doesn't win this home game. We'll come in the next season saying, oh, Josh Allen, he hasn't gotten to a title game yet. You know, and I certainly don't think it's Kansas City. Although, you know, it's interesting to me that everybody rushed to declare them the greatest team of all time after one. One. I, you know, I'm down with that, but I don't think Kansas City, I don't think there's any way, and I don't think Cleveland has a, just not even that much pressure, given what they've gone through, given how they broke through. So I, I guess, I, I guess I'm, I'm saying Lamar Jackson, which goes against everything. <laughs> I really believe that. Oh... Uh... Well, we could have talked about the Bears, Mike, so I, I, I spared you that. Oh, please. Thank you. You, I, Hopefully you still like me enough to yeah. spare me Bears yeah. conversation. Yeah, I can't do that to you. Because they're so pathetic. I can't, so pathetic. I can't do that to you. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. It's always great to see you, and uh, thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. Dan, you do the same, man. Appreciate you having me. And that's Michael Wilbon, pardon the interruption co-host there. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com 
or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.